you know, sick or dying or yeah. dead. Of course. So. Of course. On the off chance that I am dead. But it's it's good to be back, guys. I missed all of you, of course. I hate not doing shows. God, I miss them. God, I miss them. My mic is off? You're kidding me. Am I good? This is so stupid. You know what? We're going to do this live on air. Call Alex Westfall. We're going to do this live on air. This is ridiculous. Let's have fun this morning, shall we? I think this is appropriate to do. This is so dumb. All right. Let's Adam, have a we show. have lots to catch up on. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I missed the whole weekend, obviously. Right? So I missed Monday, Tuesday shows. Yeah. Uh, Warriors down 3-1 to the Lakers. Uh, that's a big deal. The Tigers are winning some games, but we're not going to talk about the Tigers. I mean, come on. Did we talk about the Tigers the two days I was gone? Please tell me no. Please tell me no. I hate to break it to you. Just say no. No. Okay, good job. Good job. No, of There's course some we respect didn't. I have of course for the show we still. didn't. There's some respect I have for the show. Oh, of course God. not. All right, here's hopefully what I want to start Hopefully with. the chat doesn't give us away. Oh, that's okay. Here's what we're going to do today, guys. We're going to obviously go through the NBA playoff recaps. Uh, Sixers taking a 3-2 lead. The Nuggets dominating the Suns. Uh, I want to get to Marvin Harrison Jr. Compared to Calvin Johnson. So we'll do that at 8.15, and then we'll do it at 9 o'clock. Uh, has there ever been a prospect as good as Calvin Johnson? I can think of one coming out of college. Uh, we'll get to that at 8.15. At 8.30, what does an ideal September look like for the Lions, right? Is it the win-loss record? Is it how they play? What matters to you guys this September? We'll get to that. 8.45, Eric Ebron, out of all people. Eric Ebron admitting, well, he wasn't mentally ready when the Detroit Lions drafted him. That hits a, a real soft spot in my heart. And if you, if you read the full interview, it, it's a hell, hell of a, hell of an interview. Essentially him saying that he wasn't ready for Detroit. And hell, Detroit wasn't ready for him. He didn't understand or really comprehend all of the expectations that came with being the number 10 overall pick. But hey, what are you going to do? 9 o'clock, uh, rookies primed for a breakout year. Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta. Make the top seven list. According to PFF, not bad. Two of the seven players are Detroit Lions offensive players. One of them a second-round pick, of course. Uh, 9-15, Flannel Sam's going to be on the desk, and we'll take care of the Steph Curry-Mount Rushmore debate. Uh, that's going to be fun. And, of course, we'll get to tonight's playoff action. It's going to be a great show, but here's what we're going to start with, guys. Joel Embiid finally shows up in the playoffs. Finally. Leads his team in a huge game on the road to beat the Boston Celtics and to go up 3-2. It's his best game. Maxi had a hell of a game as well. Flannel, so I want to start with you, buddy. Good morning, first of all. Uh, what would you think of the game last night? I mean, the, the I my takeaway more is that the Celtics, I think that experiment with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown might be over at this point. And I'm kind of done with the whole Jason Tatum is a superstar talk. He's just, I mean, I get it. It was more Al Horford choking. He was 0 of 7. Jalen Brown didn't shoot as much as you as you think he would. But Jason Tatum, again, inefficient. And it was just like last year in the finals. Did you know that last year in the finals, he shot under 40% in a finals game four times? There were six total finals games. So Jason Tatum, he's just a star. It was he's the most irrelevant 36 points I've seen a guy score. Be 
he scored them when the game was over. I, Absolutely. I'm not understanding the Jason Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown conversation. Uh, to me, Jalen Brown is the more complete player. I think he has the right attitude. The problem with Tatum is, my goodness, what a scorer he is. Uh, he's still a star player, but you know, I don't know how you feel about this, Flannel, but star and then superstar. It's a small difference, but it's all the difference in the world when it gets this late in the postseason. I mean, superstar to me, that's a that's a title reserved for maybe six or seven total players in the NBA. And Jason Tatum, the problem with him is that he is the more talented player than Jalen Brown. There's no doubt about it. He has better size. He's one of those generational type offensive talents. But when it comes to the playoffs, he'll give you some good games. But when it really counts, just like last year in the finals... He will be less than. And then we talk about Joel Embiid. Playoff Embiid has historically been a problem. Either he's been lesser than he's usually been in the regular season, or he's been hurt. He did have a very, very good game yesterday, although he shot less than 50% from the floor. But still, he gave you 30. And how about Tyrese Maxey? Tyrese Maxey, he might be that second or third star that, or probably even, depending on the night, the second or third star that the Philadelphia 76ers need if they want to make a run. And think about this. The Detroit Pistons could have had Tyrese Maxey three different times, and instead you took Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, and Sadiq Bey. I know that they were never going to take him at seven, but taking taking Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bey over Tyrese Maxey, in hindsight, seems like a pretty dumb move. And that 2020 draft is aging terribly by, by the Detroit Pistons. I can't help but think about that when I watch Tyrese Maxey. Let me throw this comparison, and you tell me yes or no, Adam. I know he has two years left on his contract. He'll be a restricted free agent. Uh, very Jalen Brunson-esque, right? A guy that kind of just started off as a role player, and now he's really one of the main scorers on this team. Fair or unfair? I mean, it's... Someone's going to look at him like Jalen Brunson to the Knicks. Fair? It's fair when you look at, I would say, career trajectory. I think they're different-ish kind of players. But at the same time, I mean, speaking of Jalen Brunson... I think a lot of NBA fans and a lot of NBA owe that man an apology because I remember when the Knicks decided that they were going to sign him in the in free agency to a big contract. A lot of people laughed and mocked and thought, of course, that's the most Knicks thing to do. But Jalen Brunson had the best year of his life. He was probably the, the best player on the team this year. And when it comes to the Knicks' performance in the playoffs, it ain't Jalen Brunson's fault. It's Julius Randle's fault. That man is a playoff choker to the umpteenth degree, and he has proved it again this year. So I definitely don't hate the Jalen Brunson and uh, Tyrese Maxey comparisons, at least when it comes to career trajectory. Well, look, uh, we'll move on from the Sixers game. How about the Nuggets? Uh, if there's a player I love and that I just can't help but fall in love with, it's Nikola Jokic. I mean, what are we doing here? Uh, you see the pictures of him looking like Fat Charlie uh, when he was younger, second-round pick, and now a multiple-time MVP. And the series is in their hands. They've held home court advantage. They're up 3-2 against the Suns. They dominated them yesterday, really, for most of that game. I was surprised the Suns even kind of made it a game throughout. But Nikola Jokic, what makes him great, is he gives you everything. Effort on defense, rebounding ability, second to none. Of course, he's one of the best passers in all of basketball. Oh, and it helps that he can drop 30 any night he chooses to. Uh, what do you do? What, what do you even do with that kind of player? And DeAndre Ayton, I mean, I know everyone's going to dog on him, but he, he just isn't what you drafted when you took him, what, number one overall, number one, I believe yeah. they took him? Over Luka Doncic and Trey Young. Although Trey, Way to go, Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The thing about Nikola Jokic, too, 
I think he's one of the players in the playoffs, maybe number one on the list. Imagine what a finals MVP would do to Nikola Jokic's le le legacy, because we already talked about it. I think the same as Giannis. I mean, there, there's... I mean, I think Giannis accomplished a little bit more, but at the same time, I get what you're saying, because Giannis, we can now talk about him in terms of top 20, maybe top 15, past guys like Dirk Nowitzki and Kevin Garnett on the all-time list. And I think that's what Nikola Jokic can do. Obviously, he only has three first-team All-NBAs, but he does have two MVPs. And we also have to take into account just what type of a unicorn that he is. He is a center who is also happens to be maybe the best passer in the NBA. It is Thank unbelievable you for saying what he that, does. Because this is going to get to our later conversation around 9-15. Like, you have to appreciate guys every once in a while. And maybe you don't like them. Maybe they don't fit the resume. But what they do for the game of basketball, what Nikola Jokic is doing, nobody else can do. Nope. Joel Embiid is a whole different type of player, but Jokic is essentially Luka Doncic at center. <laughs> it's absolutely insane, except he can actually play defense. Oh, and his team is in the playoffs. But anyways, <laughs> we'll move on. We'll take a break. When we get back, Marvin Harrison being compared as the greatest prospect as a wide receiver to come out since Calvin Johnson. Do you guys agree, disagree? We'll throw a poll in the chat, and we'll have that conversation next. But before we do, uh, Flannel, or who, who's doing Jeff's today? Is that going to be you or Flannel? Just so we're on the same page. Mr. Flannel. Flannel, if you don't mind, tell everybody at home about our good friends over at Swiss Insurance. All right, Swiss Insurance. All right, be sure to... Schedule your commercial insurance review. And if you like our draft, please draft Swiss Insurance to meet all of your insurance needs. You can email them at mark at swissins.com. That is mark at swissins.com. Or you can just visit their website where it will have everything you need at swissins.com. Love Woodward Sports. Love wearing clothes. Then you should be wearing Woodward Sports clothes. Check out our full line of merch at woodwardsports.com. Just click on shop. We have all your favorite designs, like Dan Campbell kneecaps, Woodward Golf, and of course, our own logoed out merchandise. Men, women, infants, kids, all love Woodward Sports. Impress your friends. Impress your boss. Impress your dog. Buy Woodward Sports merch today. Introducing the Planet Fitness Guide to getting that post-workout glow. Step one, what's your why? More epic energy, better sleep, blow off steam? Step two, join Planet Fitness for just $10 a month and get moving in our clean and spacious clubs. Step three, bask in that post-workout glow. Join Planet Fitness today for just $10 a month. Join today at any of the 50 plus Detroit area locations. Woodward Avenue, the first paved road in America. Woodward Sports, the first sports network born in Detroit and made for Detroit. All right, guys, welcome back to the Morning Woodward Show here on the Woodward Sports Network Live. WoodwardSports.com, as always, Adam Baydoun and Gabriel D. Phillips. Final Sam in the house. JB will be missing the next few days. And, of course, Alex Westfall is here. Jeff, uh, MIA. I think he died. I think so, too. And, and he looks a little I decided to join. I don't mind company. I don't mind company. I don't hate it. Guys, Marvin Harrison Jr. And before I even get to the Marvin Harrison part, can we all agree? Calvin Johnson coming out of college, freak of nature, Georgia Tech, uh, something we really haven't seen before. I don't think we've seen since. But Marvin Harrison Jr., 
<laughs> expected to go top three and honestly i don't blame anybody his dad was one of the greatest receivers of all time and if you would have told me he has 70 percent of the career his dad is i probably still take him top five but his name is being thrown around with calvin johnson as some of the greatest prospects we've ever seen come out of college and flannel i'd like to start with you on this uh to me jamar chase not too long ago was compared to calvin and i thought that was fair in terms of generational type skill set coming out now marvin harrison jr is getting that same attention that same love i think rightfully so and to be honest with you i i don't hate the comparison not that they're megatron not that they're going to be that six five four four forty down the field triple coverage no they're different players uh so comparing them to calvin maybe isn't ideal it's not a you're not fitting a square peg into a whatever you want to call round it a round hole. round hole i don't fucking know i'm not good with any of this stuff but anyways oh, you are the, the point you, you is you walk right into it every single time because i try to remember what the hell they mean but the point is this guy is special and flano i have no doubt he'll go top five next year yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr., I think the the craziest thing about him when it comes to even comparing him to other Ohio State wide receivers, Ohio State lately has been no doubt wide receiver. You got Garrett Wilson, who was last year's NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, Chris Olave, who came right in and had 1,000 yards, Jackson Smith in Jigba, and a guy like Emeka Abuka, who's going to be on the team with him this next year. But Marvin Harrison Jr. rises above all of them, at least when it comes to an NFL prospect. To me, he has all of the sort of route running ability, the fluidity, the skill set of uh, as a wide receiver as his dad does, or at least an approximation of it. But unlike Marvin Harrison Sr., Marvin Harrison Jr. is 6'4". He's got better speed. He's he's just he's the prototype when it comes to size. He's not the freak of nature that Calvin Johnson was, but I think he was even more refined as a prospect. There is no bus factor to Marvin Harrison junior he would go into the nfl right now and be one of the most skilled and refined wide receivers there is and it's funny adam you mentioned jamar chase that was the first name that came to my mind in terms of elite generational wide receiver prospects since calvin johnson because we we tend to forget how great jamar chase was even at lsu he had that phenomenal year with justin jefferson on the other side then he took a year off but and he still his, yeah. went top five. He still went top five. And that's that's what happens when you have 84 catches for over 1,700 yards and 20 touchdowns in a season to combine all of the athletic gifts that he has. And Adam, before, before you go, I have a couple of other names since Calvin Johnson that were also, I would say, generational freakish type of talents. Remember that draft that had Julio Jones and A.J. Green? Yep. Those were a couple others that were just so hyped up and at least julio jones lived up to it aj green obviously had a had a phenomenal career julio jones was taken eighth overall right they traded up for him i believe he was yeah i think so he was and then aj green eight. went i believe four yeah oof. julio jones was six wow julio six, jones was okay. six thank you okay. so wow i yeah look i mean this is what we're talking about here right <laughs> yeah. receivers are gonna go top five top six Marvin Harrison's going to go top five, and whoever gets him is very lucky. Oh, yeah. They, you're very lucky to have him. He's going to be a boost to your offense right away. Uh, what It could be the Cardinals. They might have two top five picks, depending on how you feel about the Texans. But Marvin Harrison Jr. as a prospect, 
I think he's the best receiver coming out. Uh, you know, the Bolitnikoff Award, right? We always we always look to the receiver. I've seen so many receivers win that award. Justin Blackman. Uh, the list can go on and on and on that just don't pan out in the NFL. This guy is a wide receiver one. Whoever takes him top five, they're going to be very happy. It's a great investment. Wide receivers are now more important than ever. But to care, compare him to Calvin, I don't think it's fair to anybody. Not because Calvin of what he was in the NFL, just coming out. We haven't seen that. 6'5", 4'4", 40, runs every route. It's not normal. Usually they do one or the other, right? They're the speedster or they're just a really tall, like a Quentin Johnson, a guy that has the length. And you're like, man, that guy could translate in the NFL. They're not supposed to do everything. So Calvin was an anomaly. And then, of course, we have to thank, at the time, the Oakland Raiders for drafting Jamarcus Russell. I mean, we have to give credit where credit's due because there's no Calvin Johnson in Detroit. If the Raiders don't draft the job of the hut, donut eating fat man and Jamarcus Russell number one overall, it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen, Flannel. Calvin Johnson was so good and such a great prospect. Remember at the time, Matt Millen had whiffed on three consecutive wide receivers, Charles Rogers, Mike Williams, and Roy Williams. Although Roy Williams did some things, he certainly wasn't worthy of his draft status. And there was still absolutely no doubt that they had to take a chance on the generational prospect from Georgia Tech because Calvin Johnson, quite simply, is the greatest wide receiver prospect coming out of college ever. And when he was in the NFL, I would say on a per game basis, at least when it comes to impact, he was one of the best wide receivers I've certainly ever seen. And I think he's still way up there when it comes to receiving yards per game. So putting Calvin Johnson type of expectations on a Marvin Harrison Jr., that is certainly lofty. But Marvin Harrison Jr., just when it comes to NFL ready refined wide receivers coming out into the NFL. I know this sounds cliche, but you can tell that a guy like Marvin Harrison Harrison Sr. was his dad because he plays like him in a lot of ways, but he's four inches taller. Can I push back on the Calvin Johnson greatest wide receiver prospect to come out? Feel free. Okay. Uh, how do I say this? Because I love Calvin. But to me, Randy Moss comes to mind. Calvin's top five easily in terms of like greatest wide receiver prospects but there's a guy that does a show here at two o'clock and I'm pretty sure he's one of the five ten greatest college wide receivers ever oh dude it's right and Braylon was took was taken what number three overall he was three, yes but so when we talk about college I know so like college resume uh, I mean, Calvin had one 1,000-yard season. It was his last year. Obviously, he was freaking nature. Uh, rightfully so, taking number two overall. Thank you very much, uh, Raiders, like I mentioned earlier. But we, we can't glance, uh, gloss over, excuse me, Jerry Rice coming out of college was was him. Uh, I mean, Jamar Chase just a few years ago. I was just going to forget it. Well, we're, we're having two different conversations at this point because, yeah, Calvin Johnson didn't have this I'm thinking of college to NFL, not, of course, thinking what they were in the NFL. Don't get me wrong. No, 100%. I think with Calvin Johnson, it was more about his physical traits, too. We obviously saw him be dominant at Georgia Tech, but it's not like he was racking 1,000-yard seasons. He had one, and he obviously looked phenomenal while doing it. I mean, you mentioned Braylon Edwards. He had three 1,000-yard seasons at Michigan, and he was also a physical specimen, and he was rewarded by, by being taken number three overall. Randy Moss... 
I he should have been drafted much higher than he was. That was just off field. That was just off field. But I think when we're having this conversation, we have to nitpick and penalize a little bit the fact that he was drafted in the teens. He shouldn't have been. There is no no reason in hell he should have been drafted as low as he was. He had some off field problems, but still, Calvin Johnson was the number two overall pick as a wide receiver, and he lived up to the hype. That's hard. Yeah, I just I'm trying to think of. Not what their NFL careers panned out to be. Just going into the draft, how highly were they rated, right? And, yeah, Calvin was arguably the best prospect in that draft coming out. And you could argue Jamar Chase was that coming out. You could argue that Randy Moss. You could argue Jerry Rice. You could argue a lot of these guys coming out that were just that damn good. Braylon Edwards was drafted number three overall. (laughs) I mean... uh, it's not like the talk was, oh, he could be a good wide receiver. No, this is the best fucking receiver we've seen in 10 years come out of college. He dominated the Big Ten. Uh, yeah, I, I think we're taking him in the top five. So it's just my thoughts, but we'll take a break. When we get back, uh, what does an ideal September look like, Detroit Lions fans? We'll have that conversation uh, when we get back. But before we do, I got to tell you about my good friends over at Planet Fitness. Sign up today, $10 a month, guys. Home of the $10 a month gym. There's no better time, better place to sign up than Planet Fitness. Go to one of their many Metro Detroit locations, or you can sign up at planetfitness.com. Your fitness is essential. Get started today. And if you're in high school, you'll be able to, excuse me, if you're in high school, you'll be able to go to the gym for free all summer long, thanks to Planet Fitness. So take advantage of it, guys. We'll see you after the break. By now you know me, Christina Gennari, as the obvious choice in real estate. And you know my website, soldchristina.com, as your number one resource for buying or selling your home. Myself, along with my amazing staff, pride ourselves on making your home buying and selling experience a relaxing and easy one. Come see why we are the obvious choice. Christina Gennari at soldchristina.com, the obvious choice in real estate. At work and at home, We're there with smarter security solutions. Featuring complete automation with customized alerts and more. For over 90 years, we've been the company that's been counted on to protect what matters most, all with personalized service and care. Right now, for a limited time, receive a free video device plus free installation with a new home system. Guardian Alarm. We protect Michigan. Network in Detroit that starts with a W. You know, because we win. Woodward Sports, Detroit's winning sports network. Welcome back to the Morning Woodward Show. A little bit different up at the desk this morning. Gabrielle D. Phillips and Adam Baydoon. Uh, we are here. We are back. Adam is back. Very happy to have him back on the desk. I'm alive. If you're watching at WoodwardSports.com, please be sure to check out everything else that we have going on on the website, including clips from shows past, live shows past. If you're listening, wherever you listen to your podcast, download and leave a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe. All right. Let's get to the Lions here. I miss talking about the Lions. We haven't done it in a few days. For me, it's been about a week. Since I was we, out Monday, we've done Tuesday, it a little bit. Eh, since you've I don't count done. you guys. I don't count you guys. Well, look. I, the question I have this morning for everybody at home, and Alex, you can throw it up in a poll uh, in a few minutes. 
is what does an ideal September look like, okay? Schedule hasn't come out yet, it comes out tomorrow. Mm -hmm. uh, so that'll be a fun conversation. But before we even know what the schedule is, assume you play four games in September. What's an ideal start? And I know most of you say, oh, well, three and one, four and oh. But I'm looking for more than that. What I wanna know this morning is, what are you looking for from this football team? Statement of intent. How they play on defense. What is the offense going to look like? Jameer Gibbs to start the year. Sam Laporta. What's their involvement? Your first six games won't feature Jamison Williams. So my question to everybody, and uh, we'll we'll go through all the comments on the Woodward Sports and YouTube chat, uh, and we'll take people's answers. But Flannel, I have never talked to you about this. So this is going to be interesting. Your thoughts on Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, what they bring to the offense. Uh, I want to know what an ideal September looks like to you. Well, first off, you can't start off historically bad on defense. I think that goes without saying. We all know that the defense closed very, very strong at the end of last year. But it was so historically bad to start the year that as a whole, their defense, when you look at the numbers, as the season ended, were still weak. It was still bottom five in the NFL. We certainly can't have that happen. And I know we talk about what would be an, a couple of ideal opponents, I think, to play in the first four games. You know what would be ideal, I think, to me, what would be really, really nice and would be a gift by the NFL? Why don't you make Bryce Young's debut and if, as a starter at Ford Field week one. I know it backfired in 2018 when Sam Darnold made his debut at Ford Field and the Jets waxed him 48-17, to but I think this is a new Lions team, a team that is actually going to be a division winner by the end of the year, and I think they would give Bryce Young some real problems to start the year. And you mentioned guys like Jameer Gibbs and Sam Laporta. I want to see... I think that Sam Laporta is going to jump right in and be the best tight end on the team. It was more tight end by committee at the end of last year, but this year, I think he, you got a guy in Sam Laporta that will be used in space. Ben Johnson will be able to scheme things up for him, and for him to make at least a couple of big, maybe first down catches, basically from, from week one, and Jameer Gibbs, I want to see him be an integral part of the offense, particularly the passing game, right away. I mean, obviously, David Montgomery is going to be RB1. There's not going to be a ton of pressure for Jameer Gibbs to be a bell cow. David Montgomery's had 1,000 yards in one of his seasons and, and rushing and over 1,000 yards from scrimmage in every single year that he's played. But I want to see Jameer Gibbs, particularly it, with, it, with Jamison Williams' absence in the first six games, be that add that speed element, be that guy out of the backfield that can get the ball in space and be dynamic. And on top of it all, at, you cannot torpedo your season before it even starts. I already mentioned defensively they can't start off historically bad, but at the very worst, depending on how your schedule pans out, if you get some tough games, don't go one and three. Go two and two at the absolute worst. And ideally, if they can stagger some home games, start three and one, four and oh, make this city just believe in this team and be electric and on fire and have the Lions be the biggest thing in the city in years. That Those are my main expectations for coming right out of the gate. Uh, I think some parallel line that you can draw between all the great coaches is typically in September, there's no messing about. All the best coaches in the NFL, their teams are ready day one. You know, we always say this every year. You know, come out to a strong start. It's easier said than done, of course, in the NFL, but there are teams that just come out flat. They come out flat and then they have to dig themselves out of a hole and they got to fight back the rest of the year to try and either compete for the division, compete for a playoff spot. Hell, try. Maybe the maybe September costs you seeding. 
if you're trying to get a one or a two seed, if you're that good of a team. Uh, September matters. And you look at Andy Reid, uh, Bill Belichick, historically, some of the better coaches in the NFL, they come out of the gate. Guns blazing. They don't waste any time. And for me, what I want to see from this team, it's going to start on the defensive side of the ball. Has to be better. I don't want to see the 30th ranked defense after four games. I'll lose my fucking mind. I'll absolutely go crazy. Zero, zero leeway with this defense this year. They've upgraded too much. Aaron Glenn's got too much to work with. There are no excuses. I expect Jack Campbell to be a very good football player day one. That secondary already, already is going to be better. Butch, by the way, Cam Sutton, speaking of new secondary players, will be on Armani and Edwards later on today uh, from 2 to 4. So make sure you don't miss that interview. That'll be fun. But... The defense is everything to me. I expect the offense, at the worst, is probably the 10th, 11th ranked offense after four games, at worst. Uh, this is a really good offense. I think they pose a lot of problems. I'm not worried about them, Flannel. Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator, feel really good about that. But the defense, defense is everything. Yeah, we could talk about them if it's an easy schedule going 3-1 and one or 4-0, and oh, or if it's a difficult schedule, at least walking out 2-2. Two and two, we can try to play the schedule predictor all we want. I'm not going to do that this morning. Schedule comes out tomorrow. We'll have a whole show for that no tomorrow. No need for hypotheticals. Yeah, I'm, I'm not like going to do that right now. hours away. Exactly. I'm not going to do that. But to me, the defense is everything. You come out and you have a, let's say, the 18th ranked rush defense, the 14th ranked pass defense after four games. I think you don't just shift the conversation from, man, is this the year they're finally going to win the division? They're finally going to win a playoff game? I think the conversation after four games is going to be, um, how's San Francisco doing right now? Has Philly's defense as good as it was last year? Because you give Jared Goff a top 15 defense, he's going to win you probably 70% of his games. I have all the data in LA that suggests that's exactly what you need to do. So you're going to win 11, 12 games probably this year with that kind of defense. That, to me, is everything. That's all I want to say. Out of the gate, if the Lions' offense improves, there won't be as much conversation because we've already seen them and what they can do last year. Everyone's expecting them to already be that good. But if you're looking at the defense, people are questioning, did we do enough? We've heard it for the last week on the shows. Did well, the Lions I want to meet those people. Well, who? Please. I would love to meet them. Please tell me they work here. Please tell me. Give me names. It's okay. We can call out our no coworkers. Names. No names. No, I'm no, no. We can call. Under the bus, Flannel. But I'm gonna say. Who is it? <laughs> so what's what's wrong with with saying maybe they didn't do enough? Oh, it's you. <laughs> hey, I said it. <laughs> he has. He, he's riding a line here a little bit. I want to know. I, I really want to know because to me, the work they did in free agency. We're ta we were talking solely from the draft. Well, I, yeah, you can nitpick from the draft, but <laughs> Cam Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, and C.J. Gardner-Johnson in free agency. Uh, you signed David Montgomery, which gives you more stability in the backfield. Uh, if we would just want to talk about the defense, your secondary was the biggest problem last year, and that defensive line down the stretch did look very good. They led the league in rushes, excuse me, in total rushes and pressures on quarterbacks from week, I want to say, 11 or 9 to like week 15 or 14 it was like a five six seven week stretch where they were just number one across the board on the defensive line i'm not saying that's going to be how do i say this nicely without dissing james houston uh not to say that he's going to do that again this year but you did want to improve the defensive line you wanted a anything other than broderick martin 
where they got him, right? You were hoping for more, and the draft didn't obviously play out the way most expected. But hey, you added Brian Branch. You added Jack Campbell, and he's already going to be day one better than Alex Anzalone and Malcolm Rodriguez, in my opinion. So uh, what is what is their nitpick on the defensive tackle position? I'll give you. But overall, this defense is miles ahead of what they were last year. Well, sure, and nobody has been higher on their free agency secondary signings than me. I mean, you got Cam Sutton and Emmanuel Mosley, two guys that when they played last year, Cam Sutton played the whole year. They allowed less than a 70 passer rating when targeted, and C.J. Gardner-Johnson tied for the NFL lead in interceptions. And then Brian Branch in the draft. We obviously all love that pick. He was... A guy who, when it comes to his production, I'll say it again, 90 tackles, 3 sacks, 2 interceptions, 14 tackles for loss. A smart player, technically sound. The only reason the Lions were able to get him as late as they were was because his athleticism measurables and his 40 time were less than ideal. I love all of that. And you're right about Jack Campbell. Day one, better than Alex Anzalone and Malcolm Rodriguez. Or else, to me, it's a questionable pick, but I have full confidence that Jack Campbell will at least be a day one starter. But the defensive line, I think it is fair to question all you really got in the draft was Broderick Barton. I think Broderick Barton could be a good rotational piece. I think if he's a player at the same caliber as Aleem McNeil, it will be a very, very fine pick. But in terms of interior defensive line, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it until proven otherwise— Jalen Carter was there. I'm oh, not God. saying I'm not saying they You're for sure. You're a Jalen Carter guy? I am a Jalen Carter this. guy. He's gone. He's gone. We're moving I know, on. I know he's gone. I know that he's gone. But if he goes to Philadelphia and becomes that game wrecker and the Lions defense looks poor, I'm not rooting for it. I hope that Jalen Carter flames out in Philadelphia. I hope all of the concerns were valid and he doesn't turn into a good player. I'm just saying that their defensive line. It did give up over 300 rushing yards to Carolina last year when they needed them the most, even when their defense was playing better. I like what they did in the draft. Their defense is going to be much better. I'm just saying it's fair to have a couple of questions, and that's and that's fine. I hope that it all I works out. We're going to have questions with any team, not just the Lions. I don't think any team perfected their roster, maybe outside of San Francisco because they're already so loaded. Right? You add Javon Hargraves, you go and draft a kicker, fuck it. You know, At this point, you're the Niners, you can do whatever you want. You have an all-pro at every single position. Uh, fine, but I, you're going to have questions about the Lions no matter what. Hell, you're going to have questions about the offense because it is going to be Amon Ross St. Brown. It is going to be Josh Reynolds. It's going to be that unit to start the year with no Jameson Williams. And what's Marvin Jones going to look like? And the offensive line, for as much as we love it, as good as it has been, you're an injury away from really questioning the depth of that offensive line. That that will be a big problem if, God forbid, anything happens. And it's the NFL. You can't ever predict who's going to go down. Injuries are a part of it, so you just have to deal with it at this point. But I, I'm not going to nitpick one on Jalen Carter because I'm so happy they traded out of the pick. I, I don't care that it was Jameer Gibbs, to be honest. Jameer Gibbs would have been a better option for me than Jalen Carter. That's, that's how against... Wait, wait. That's how against it I was. I'm not saying positional value or prospect wise i want you to get inside my head a little bit i was so out on jalen carter draft night when we were doing all the production and everybody was on the desk and they had traded out of the pick i had middle fingers up to everybody i was so happy flannel sorry for your loss no and, and that's and that's okay and gabby you're 100 right i'm not gonna harbor anything to, to, to jalen carter to be what could have been he's gone I am fully accepting on what the situation is, and I do think the Lions definitely improved their team. I think, 
I would like to think that it's all going to be a moot point and the team is going to come out doing just fine and their defense is going to be a lot better. I mean, you also have to look at Aiden Hutchinson is obviously going to improve. You would think that he doesn't have those rookie growing pains that he did in the beginning of last season. And we talk about the beginning of last season, James Houston didn't even play. And once he was inserted into the lineup, he was an absolute game wrecker and the defense played a lot better. There's a good mix now, especially with what they did in the secondary of veterans and young players. And I think the defense, all it really has to do is be top 20. And this is a no doubt division winning team, especially with how good the offense is. And we think it's going to at least at the very worst taper off a tad. It's going to be at, at worst top seven to 10. And the ceiling is out of this stratosphere. So I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all. I just had a few fleeting questions that I hope I am 100% wrong about. I hope Jack Campbell, Broderick Martin are I don't think it's picks. wrong to ask questions, right? Yes. That's our job. Look, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. You want to talk real life for a minute? If you're not questioning life in general, if you don't question everything you're told, mm -hmm. uh, you're good luck in life. Good <laughs> luck in life. Here. That's really all I can say, huh? Getting deep here. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I want to jump into the WoodwardSports.com chat thread. Booner from the Booner Sports Show um, dropped in there. The D-line was your best position group on defense last year. They upgraded every other part of that defense. It has improved 1,000%, which kind of goes off of what you were saying, Flannel. Um, I think, obviously, we started this conversation saying, you know, if they improve their offense, will it make that big of a splash? Yes, but everyone's expecting that. I think where they're really going to shine this year is if they make a clear difference in their defense and there's growth in their defense, it's not only going to bode well for the team as a whole, but for all of these players that they drafted that everyone is questioning or was questioning initially. I do think that people have turned the narrative around a little bit and are more positive about the picks, but it goes back to if this defense improves, even in the slightest bit from the end of last year, it will look very good for the Lions. Yeah, I, I think that's consensus now. Uh, Flannel kind of touched on it. You've touched on it now. I think everybody has the same opinion. If this is a... Let's just say your defense improves by 10 to 12 spots statistically across the board in the NFL. Uh, you're winning 11 games. Minimum. You're winning 11 games, and you're probably going to win a playoff game. Is that good enough to beat San Francisco on the road or Philly? It's going to be difficult. Uh, I think you're still a year away, given experience, given you got to... How do I say this nicely? you got to earn your spot in the NFL. Uh, yeah, there are teams that make Cinderella runs, and then they go back to being shit and stuck in losing purgatory for five years, but... I think what the Lions are building is something that can be sustained for the long term. I think it's a five, seven-year window where they're probably going to be in contention for the North six out of those seven years. So to me, this year, go win the division. Go win a playoff game. Get the two monkeys off of your back, the huge monkeys off your back. And then we can talk about beating Philly, San Francisco, which will be inevitable because they can't stay around forever. You're more built for the long term than they are. So there's going to be a time in the future where Philly's going to look at the money on the table and say, uh, well, Jalen Hurts, $180 million in four years. Um, San Francisco, all pro at every position, not sustainable. Uh, eventually, they're going to want to get a quarterback and hopefully on a rookie deal, and they can maybe keep it going. But 
you can't pay every single all-pro player in the NFL. That won't last. You saw it with yeah. their offensive line, right? Denver went out and swooped up one of their better offensive linemen. So. And this is where I think it's very clear, like the whole Brad Holmes is cooking, I think, is a narrative that has been going on for a while, but you hear what he's saying is that they have to keep their foot on the gas. And then you pair that with these comments that he's making about, we can't go out and spend big money on these players just because of all this outside noise, uh, paraphrasing that a bit. But you look at a situation like this, and I think because of his reactions in these situations you're going to see the lions being contenders for longer periods of time because he doesn't make those rash quick decisions he's looking towards the future and that continued steady growth towards the future that you're not going to get when you're going out and you're dropping big bags of cash well there's going to be a day where out. he's going to have to and go all in right there is going to be a day where but he has to have that base first of course and that's the difference between what he's building and what a lot of teams are doing you look at san francisco and i think trisha miller in the chat is saying uh, you know what's san francisco done well trisha to educate you a little bit uh they've been to three nfc championships in the last five years they've been to uh, a super bowl uh fuck i'm just asking for a division title and a playoff win uh, sitting up here this morning. So, yeah, uh, I think there's a big difference. So you have to prove it. You can't just talk about it. You have to go out and do it. Uh, this is the first time since 1989. The Lions have an over-under win total of 9.5. So good things are coming. I think this is a division-winning team. I think we all agree. If the defense is marginally better, this will be a division winner. We all want and expect, ideally, in September, for this defense to show really good flashes. Mm -hmm. And we'll take it from there. When we get back... Eric Ebron admits, quote, he wasn't mentally ready for the Detroit Lions and being selected 10th overall. Uh, we'll take a trip down memory lane, and we'll have fun with that. I'll try not to – I don't want to spoil it. I have a few things to say about Eric Ebron and his time here in Detroit. I think everyone knows But before coming. we go, i got to tell you about my good friends over at Cousins Maine Lobster. Sign up today. Oh, what the hell am I saying? Scan the QR code today. Find out where their food trucks are or go to CousinsMainLobster.com and treat yourself to some delicious lobster. Guys, I'm a lobster taco guy, clam chowder soup. I always give you the same option because it's my go-to. I'm not much of a adventurer. I don't like to try different things to me. Lobster tacos, clam chowder soup, and a side of tots. You'll thank me later. The try tots. them out, .com. We'll be right back after the break. Big Boy Strawberry Fest has officially arrived, and we're here to show you the very best flavors of the season. Satisfy your sweet tooth with our deep-fried vanilla Oreos, strawberry hot fudge cake, and a slice of our classic strawberry pie. But that's not all. Cool off on a refreshing summer splash salad, or savor the flavors of our chicken Caesar wrap and strawberry bacon chicken wrap. And for breakfast lovers, don't miss out on our strawberry hot cakes or a mouth-watering red velvet waffle. Strawberry Fest is something for everyone. Celebrate the sweet season with us at Big Boy. We don't like to brag that we are the toughest sports network in Detroit. But we do have a guy named Darren McCarty on our side. Lemieux and McCarty, who've had a good knockdown drag up. There they go, right on the wall. Oh, baby. talking to one another. Woodward Sports. Welcome back to the Morning Woodward Show at woodwardsports.com. If you're watching on the website, please be sure to check out our articles, merchandise, clips, everything that we have going on there. It's your spot for the latest updates in sports, especially Detroit sports. If you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe. And if you're listening wherever you listen to your podcast, please be sure to download and leave a five-star review. All Prepare right, yourselves. Eric Ebron. 
Eric Ebron, or you can call him TJ Hawkinson, or however you want to label him. They're both the same player for me. Uh, but Eric Ebron has a very special place in my heart. He was the first what the fuck pick that I was old enough to engage in conversations with, you know, teenagers and adults. Uh, and I had social media at the time, right? So Eric Ebron does an interview, talks about his time here in Detroit getting drafted and how he wasn't mentally ready. He was young, a 20-year-old tight end coming into the league, massive expectations. And he kind of looked himself in the mirror and said, uh, okay, I was the dude coming out of college, but there's Calvin Johnson. <laughs> there's Golden Tate, Golden Tate, excuse me, coming off a 99 catch season. And then there's a really dynamic backfield. Um, I'm like the fourth option here. <laughs> and I was taking 10th overall. Uh, what are we doing? And not to give him any excuses, but, you know, the Jim Caldwell, Martin Mayhew era, it's a whole different problem that I don't want to get into. But Eric Ebron is a tight end. Taken where he was was a complete bust. Uh, just like Jeff Okuda was. There's no difference. Egregious picks where they were taken, the years they were taken. But moving past who was taken after them, Aaron Donald, all the stuff that we can talk about. I want to focus on Eric for a second. Gabby, I, I know you want to touch on this. Um, the immaturity issue. Uh, yeah, you can say that you were immature and it wasn't the right situation for you, but uh, you're a young adult. And when you are paid handsomely to mm -hmm. play a professional sport, you have to do everything in your power to become a professional. And the longer you take to become a professional, the shorter your career in the NFL will be. Go ahead. This leans into the conversation, especially about Hooker right now, and everyone's saying, well, is his age a problem? Is his age a problem? And you saw with Dan Campbell this week in his interview on Greenlight, I believe it was, talk about how this is not a problem. Hooker's age is not a problem. It's actually an upside for him because he's coming in and he's more mature and, and he's going to be in a position where you need to be more mature because you're going to be controlling a lot. Um, so I think it's interesting, the timing of this coming out with that interview and this conversation of maturity within the NFL. And then you look at the recent incidents that have also happened with the Lions. I think maturity is a huge factor and also a huge factor into this, what is a Lions player? What is a Dan Campbell player? What players fit into the Lions identity? And I believe it is mature players the players that not only have the football skill the football iq but also the mentality the attitude the teamwork will make a difference in the locker room and if you're looking at what a lions player is today i don't think that he fits in really in his own words that build of a lions player mentality um but very interesting timing with the conversation about hendon hooker and his maturity and what a upside that was for the Lions when taking him. Yeah, it's hard for me to draw comparisons only because Eric Ebron was a first-round pick. Hendon mm -hmm. Hooker was a safe pick in the but third round. Nobody was going to question it. He would have been a first-round yeah, pick. Yeah, but he wasn't, though. Yes. He wasn't. And the expectations are just going to be totally different. Flannel, uh, I think she has a point in terms of what a Dan Campbell-type player is. But we'll start with Ebron, his time here. And what do you think his biggest hurdle was? Was it... The regime, or was it the player? With Eric Ebron, 
It's tough because he went to Indianapolis after he left and had a Pro Bowl season. Whether he deserved it or not, I, I would say no, but he was racking up the touchdowns. Eric Ebron, he was just... He was a guy that was picked to come to the Detroit Lions because he was the finishing piece to a team that you thought could have made the Super Bowl or maybe even won the Super Bowl. They had a lot of pieces around him and the roster around him. I mean, they made the playoffs last year and probably should have won at least one playoff game. And Eric Ebron, when you're drafted that high as a tight end, there are expectations. You have to become... I mean, I know they weren't around back then, but you have to become like a Kittle or a Travis Kelsey or a Mark Andrews, or if you're comparing him to players of the past, like a Tony Gonzalez or Jason Witten or somebody like that, or else it's a complete flop. And you know what, Adam? I will not let it go who was picked right after him because the 2014 draft was one of the most loaded drafts in NFL history. And when you just look at the players who were picked right after him, directly after him was Taylor Luan, perennial pro bowler tackle. And then you've got Aaron Donald, best defensive player ever, arguably. I got a list right here. You've got Odell Beckham Jr., who had one of the greatest three-year stretches to start a career in NFL history and five-time thousand-yard receiver. Just If you would have had those three years of Odell Beckham, already exponentially better than Eric Ebron. You've got Kyle Fuller, even, a guy who I think has gotten a little bit underrated, but during his pro during his heyday was a two-time Pro Bowler corner and a better corner than anybody the Lions have right now. And you even have Ryan Shazier, who was obviously going to be a great linebacker, had his career ruined by a horrific spinal cord injury. Thank God he's able to walk. You got Zach Martin, who is who is a Hall of Fame right, what guard. What are you trying to do here? I'm, I'm just trying to... What? 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 <laughs> I, it's my first day rehashing back. Rehashing a lot. Rehashing. Huh? You're just stabbing... Me multiple times, and everybody else in this chat, and you're giving us all a big fuck you. a little grudge. Well, I, I do hold a little bit of a grudge, and then I haven't even gotten to C.J. Mosley, oh, who was you. a five-time Pro Bowl linebacker, could be a Hall of Famer someday. Eric Ebron was picked legitimately ahead six of six or seven guys who at the at the low end of that of that group were perennial Pro Bowlers, and at the high end, best defensive player ever, best wide receiver to start a career, one of the best ever. Guys like that. So Eric Ebron, that pick. It did a lot of damage. How much could any of those guys have helped that team? If one of those guys was drafted to the team instead of Eric Ebron, maybe they win that game at Dallas. I know that things don't all play maybe out. Maybe they the win the division same. and they're not playing in Dallas. A hundred percent. You're absolutely right. So I, I think it's impossible to talk about Eric Ebron without talking about how loaded that draft was, what could have been, and players that were picked directly after him that had enormous impacts. I mean, one of them we talk about as definitely the best defensive player of this generation, maybe all time. I would lead towards all time. That's the guy you picked Eric Ebron instead of. That is a stain. And obviously the Lions are getting better. They look to be going into a golden age now, and I hope that they will, and I think that they will. But that Eric Ebron pick set them back so much, and I don't think I'll ever truly forgive that until the Lions win a playoff game. Yeah, look, I... We're going to talk about expectations for the next few months and what they should do and winning, 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 division, playoff game. But Eric Ebron, when he was taken, uh, let's not forget the pulse of the city. It was That was the pick, right? Jim Caldwell touched on it. Martin Mayhew doubled down on it. A tight end was the missing piece to a Super Bowl contender here in Detroit, right? So the guy came here, and to his credit, or in his defense, he didn't see the ball much. He dropped everything, to be fair. Uh, he dropped every ball thrown his way. He was god-awful. Uh, he was just as bad as 
the tight end taken a few years down the road, TJ Hawkinson, uh, what, eighth overall Hawkinson wins? I mean, that didn't I, work I'd out argue either. that Ebron was a little bit worse, but still, they're comparable. Uh, the statistics would they're argue otherwise. They're very similar. They're very similar. It's very scary. And you know what? It's just trauma, PTSD. But, hey, look, you know, there's one franchise in the NFL over the last seven years that's drafted a tight end in the top 35 spots, okay? There's been one team that's drafted him the most. That's the Lions. And of the five total players selected in the top 35, you know how many the Lions are responsible for? Three, right? Three. Yeah. So they love tight ends. I hope Sam Laporte is really good. I hope he avoids this Eric Ebron route. Uh, he's a second-round pick, so you can kind of live with it. But overall, Eric Ebron mentally not being ready, having to deal with the situation of walking into a team that was ready to win, that was a legitimate defense, a very good offense, Calvin Johnson, Matthew Stafford, Golden Tate, the list goes on and on, and walking in and just doing nothing. It's not that I forgive him, but to me it's a dead story now. I don't care. I'm going to move on from Eric Ebron. Uh, I hope to never have to touch on him again unless we're having debates about who the biggest busts in Lions history are, and he's definitely up there, right? He's up there, yes. Awesome. Top of the hour coming up next. Rookies primed for a breakout season. PFF released their early rankings for players they believe on the offensive side of the ball that are going to dominate. They released a top seven list. And, of course, Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta were featured on the list. Where they were, well, you'll find out next. But before we go to break... Gabby, our good friends over at Cintron. Yeah, Cintron is the official energy drink of the Detroit Red Wings. And right now, if you are a Woodward Sports listener, you can go to drinkcintron.com slash Woodward and get yourself a six-pack, their variety pack. Try it out today. My favorite is classic, as you all are catching on to. That is drinkcintron.com slash Woodward for $15 plus free shipping. Love Woodward Sports? Love wearing clothes? Then you should be wearing Woodward Sports clothes. Check out our full line of merch at woodwardsports.com. Just click on shop. We have all your favorite designs, like Dan Campbell kneecaps, Woodward Golf, and of course, our own logoed out merchandise. Men, women, infants, kids, all love Woodward Sports. Impress your friends. Impress your boss. Impress your dog. Buy Woodward Sports merch today. Introducing the Planet Fitness Guide to getting that post-workout glow. Step one, what's your why? More epic energy, better sleep, blow off steam? Step two, join Planet Fitness for just $10 a month and get moving in our clean and spacious clubs. Step three, bask in that post-workout glow. Join Planet Fitness today for just $10 a month. Join today at any of the 50-plus Detroit area locations. Sports.com. Check out all the latest news that we have going up. Great coverage coming this weekend on the Lions from Matt Broder, our Lions beat writer. And if you're watching at YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe if you're listening via podcast download and leave us a five-star review. All right, guys, we're approaching top of the hour, and we've talked about rookies, the Lions improving their team, how they're going to start off in September, how important the start of the season is. But rookies that are primed for a breakout year, right? Guys that can contribute significantly day one. I 
it's not that I don't agree with having two Lions players, given they have one of the better offensive coordinators in the NFL on the list, but they had Jameer Gibbs at number two. And Flano, I would love to hear this from you first. Jameer Gibbs, number two on the list out of the seven players. Day one, is he going to walk in and be a 65 catch guy? Because listening to Mike Martz, Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell talk about this player. This is a guy that's not just going to carry the ball. This is essentially an extension of the wide receiver position now in the backfield, and you can line him up anyway. Sure. 65, that is a big ask. I don't know if he I can... I mean, that's four catches a game. But still, I mean, they with all the other weapons they have, Amon Ross, St. Brown, we hope that Sam Laporta, Josh Reynolds, Marvin Jones, they, they take some of, of the targets as well. And of course, J-Mo, when he gets back, we... Four catches a game, though, is a lot. And for me, if I'm looking at expectations for Jameer Gibbs in year one, I'm talking about minimum in order for it to be sort of seen as a successful pick right away. I I want Jameer Gibbs to get a thousand all-purpose yards when we talk about receiving and rushing. And I think that is very, very doable. I'd like to see him get some carries, maybe 10 or so a game, obviously with David Montgomery getting the majority of them as the as RB1 for now. And of course, we can't talk about the Lions offense and Jameer Gibbs without talking about the first six games. There is going to be someone missing in Jamison Williams, who really wasn't a big part of their offense last year, but he was certainly expected to be a star this season. And Jameer Gibbs is going to have to He's going to get more opportunities for, I think, lining up in the slot, catching balls out of the backfield. So to me, a thousand yards rushing or receiving minimum. If he gets to 65 catches combined, right? Yes. Oh, yes. okay. A thousand Thank yards God. rushing and receiving. I'm not saying a thousand <laughs> yards rushing. That would be, that would be, I think he should get to that down the road and have at least a few thousand yard rushing seasons, but it's more important that he becomes a dynamic player coming out of the backfield in the likes of Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey. I know those are lofty expectations, but he was a number 12 overall pick with great, with great expectation, with great sort of, I, I'm, I'm jumbling the, the phrase obviously, but when you're picked number 12 overall, you, you come with expectations. When, I know they traded back for him and they got compensated for him, but Jameer Gibbs being this high on the list of offensive rookies to contribute right away, I, I don't hate it. I think that at his high end, he can come in and have 65 catches in, in his rookie year. That would be, if he does that, and if he makes a few explosive plays, say if he has 65 catches for over 10 yards per catch, which he had 11.7 in college, then we would be looking at Jameer Gibbs as, wow, that was a phenomenal pick. He's way more than just a running back. He is a weapon. So floor, 1,000 all-purpose yards, ceiling, dynamic weapon year one 65 catches over 10 yards per carry and also getting a fair share of the load out of the backfield as well i don't have much expectation for him running the football this year i think david montgomery is going to be their bell cow i think they're going to use this guy out of the backfield and passing situation after passing situation uh to me names that you want to bring up and whether or not he comps to them i, I don't really care about that this morning but ability I want to see some Matt Forte. I want to see some Marshall Falk. I would like to see some even Darren Sproles to an extent. Uh, just in terms of ability out of the backfield, catching the ball. Obviously, the recent comparisons, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, that's all great. But if he's Darren Sproles, let's say he's that. Are you happy with that pick? Like yes Darren no? Sproles Everybody for in the a chat. career? Or for, for his career, if he is Darren Sproles, are you happy with that pick? Absolutely not. 
He's, okay. he's the number 12 overall pick. We can't... And I know Darren Sproles is obviously an effective player as sort of a guy who returns kicks, catches the ball out of the backfield. He doesn't really get a ton of carries. Obviously, Darren Sproles is a little bit different because he's he's very, very small. But if Jameer Gibbs becomes Darren Sproles, it's not a good pick. I mean, was, was Reggie Bush a good pick? No, of course not. Right. Well, no, no, no. And that's why I'm asking, right? Because I, I want to set this up. Uh, you want the ability of a Darren Sproles, though. You want the guy catching balls out of the backfield and... Being a home run threat, really, anytime he touches the ball, he's that dynamic. Only two drops, I believe, in his college career at Alabama. Uh, Jameer Gibbs has to walk in the NFL year one. And in my opinion, the, the floor has to be 40 catches. I think it's a Ben Johnson offense. I think we have to be very mindful that you're going to have Josh Reynolds catch about 37 to 40 balls. You're going to see Amon Ra probably go for 100 maybe again. He's their favorite third down target. Unless that changes, I don't know. Sam Laporta, how many catches is he really going to get year one? 30? 35? And then you look at Jamison Williams. When he does return, what does his workload look like? Uh, there are so many options on this team. It's tough for me to say he has to do something year one. But if I'm going to give him a floor, I would love to see 40 catches this year. I'd like to see a hundred and what, 140, 150 carries, and I think he can reach a thousand all-purpose yards with that number of attempts. That would be about 180, 190 total attempts, pass catching and rushing, that he'll have to break that thousand-yard mark. I think he can do it because, and let's be honest, rushing he'll probably be at 4.7, 4.8 yards a clip, and receiving. That could be upwards of seven, eight, nine yards a, a reception, depending on how they use him. I mean, it's it going to depend on how they use him. It's going to depend on how they use him because they've. It's been said across the board that he is not typical. He's not typical. He can't be used in a typical way, especially going into the Lions with the situation that they're in. You're going to see him being used with Montgomery, but you can't put an expectation on him when you don't know how Ben Johnson's going to use him especially with the situation that he's walking into. Will he play after those first six games? How will they use him after those first six games? That entire offense is going to switch, potentially. Flannel, sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. You're, yeah, you're, you're good. It, it is a lot about how they use Jameer Gibbs at this point because we talk about, you said about 140 carries, 40 catches, that would be, I think that would be a pretty good baseline. That would certainly get him over that 1,000-yard threshold because when you when we talk about rushing and receiving combined, you definitely want to average way more than five yards. If, if he can get 180 touches and say as a whole average seven yards per carry, I think at that point, Unless guys like Bijan or, or one of the receivers or one of the quarterbacks really, really pops off. If, he, if he's effective touching the ball that often, we might be looking at Jameer Gibbs as in the running for Offensive Rookie of the Year. And if he is that from day one, then I think a lot of the people questioning the pick and having some healthy skepticism would have to eat their words. Because, J because Jameer Gibbs, he is not just a running back. He is a weapon. But he has to prove it. He has to go out and do it. And I think in the Ben Johnson offense, given the fact that in at least in the first six games, he is the most dynamic threat when it comes to speed on this entire offense, he could be a game-breaker right away. And if he is that, it could this offense could go to places that it didn't even go last year. It could be right up there in terms of scoring with like the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not calling for it, but it's not crazy. Okay, well, let me go to Sam Laporta then. Second round tight end. 
what does his rookie year look like? They have him seventh on the list. I think even that's too high because out of all the options the Lions have, he's going to be at the bottom of that pecking order unless he's just a breakout player. It's going to be Amon Ross St. Brown. When Jameson Williams does come back, he'll probably be second. But I think Jared Goff, Josh Reynolds have such a connection that that's going to be one of his favorite options. Jameer Gibbs out of the backfield, David Montgomery. And then we get to Brock Wright, Zilstra, how they're going to use all their tight ends. Flannel, Sam Laporta, year one. What does it look like? Well, I think it could go a couple different ways. We, we look at last season as a tight end by committee offense in the last part. But the tight ends as a whole, they produce when you talk about James Mitchell, Shane Zilstra, and Brock Wright combined. But they're all still there. I think that Sam Laporta is going to come right in and be tight end one. I think he's a guy that provides stuff after the catch that no tight end that they have certainly does. I think he's the most dynamic. He was probably the most dynamic tight end in terms of after the catch of any tight end coming out of the out of the draft. And when you look at Ben Johnson scheming guys open, scheming guys in space, I think Sam Laporta can be a big part of it. I don't see him being a guy, though, that really racks up a ton of catches in year one. Most tight ends coming into the league don't. When you look at historically, when you look at even the best of all time, like Kittle and Kelsey and guys like that, that you usually have to ease them in. So to me, Sam Laporta, I don't think he's going to put up eye-popping numbers in his rookie year, but I think he will make a couple of big plays, plays that guys like Mitchell and Zilstra and Wright are not capable of, that can sway an outcome of a game in the Lions' favor. His numbers aren't going to look eye-popping, but you will notice his impact, I think, from day one. All right. Well, the schedule release, uh, excuse me, the schedule is being released live. Uh, so any updates we have on the Lions, we'll obviously share with everybody. Uh, that's going to be fun. I want to switch the conversation for a few minutes before we go to break. And I want to talk about Ben Johnson. And maybe this should be a, a full segment in and of itself. But the upgrades in the secondary and free agency. Getting David Montgomery, cutting ties with DeAndre Swift, drafting Jameer Gibbs as high as they did, getting a tight end in the second round. Are you a fan of Ben Johnson? Who isn't, right? Yes, but of course. I'm going to ask obvious questions here, but bear with me. Flannel, fan of Ben that. Johnson, no? Yes, as like a matter of fact, I am. No, 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 no. I'm, yes. I'm asking. I know, I know what the answer is going to be, yes. but I just want to make sure. Absolutely. So we all agree. Love the guy as an offensive yeah. coordinator, right? Absolutely. And Gabby, if you owned an NFL football team, hell, you were a GM of one. And Flannel, you as well. And your teams have a really bad year, and you fire your head coach. Who is the first call you're making this summer? Let me guess. Or this upcoming summer, I should say. Johnson. I'll tell you what. I'm shocked that he didn't get a head coaching job well, this past offseason. He did decline. Because I, he I bet should you be. any money he would have taken. If he wanted, he would have taken a job. Absolutely. I as think there was there were jobs out there for him. I think Carolina settled on uh, Frank Reich. Uh, to me, their first option was Ben Johnson, but moving past how, that. How long, realistically, do you think the Lions have left with him? Well, that's why I'm bringing this up. Okay. I think this is last year. And I think the Lions realize this is probably the last year we're going to have our golden boy before he goes and gets an NFL uh, full-time opportunity as a head coach. So, you know what? Are the Lions going all in on Ben Johnson as well, not just Dan Campbell? Because the truth is, they have $100 million in cap space next year. They're still in a rebuild in terms of money. They haven't committed any long, long-term long money. Gardner Johnson's on a one-year deal. So is Mosley. Sutton on a three-year deal, and that doesn't even cost you much money. He was the top 20 corner in the NFL last year. So, the Lions have flexibility, but it seems to me, and maybe I'm reading this wrong, 
they're looking at Ben Johnson's timeline and saying, it's probably the only year we're going to have this wizard in the room. We'll still be good even if, when he leaves, probably. But having him, let's give him everything he needs and see if that gets us further than even we think we can go. Under what circumstances do you think he stays longer than a year? Uh, if the offense is brilliant and the Lions underachieve and win five, six games and fire their head coach, and then he becomes head coach. But I don't expect that to happen. But you're asking me how I think he stays. That'd be the only crazy scenario where the Lions win six games. The offense is really good. Defense yeah. is struggling. And Dan Campbell's making a ton of fourth quarter mistakes. And they win five, six games. That would be the only way. And then he would try to convince him to stay as the head coach. But I don't even think that's going to happen. They're going to win 11 games this year, whether we like it or not. Yeah, I would. Well, I, I would. Think totally like I think we'd like it, obviously, but <laughs> yeah. like, there's no debating it. God, unless barring significant injuries across the board, this is a division-winning team. Absolutely, absolutely, and yeah, I agree with you 100% about Ben Johnson. The only way that he would be that he would stay in Detroit is if Dan Campbell, which I hope that he doesn't. He loses them some games, and the defense loses games because they're so bad. Ben Johnson is literally the poster child for the type of coach that every team should want. And we look at so many other coaches like a Kyle Shanahan or a Zach Taylor or even Andy Reid, who isn't young but is an offensive wizard. Even Kevin O'Connell and Mike McDaniel. I mean, Sean McVay. You can go on and on and on. Those are the type of coaches you want. And Ben Johnson is next, that young, brilliant, innovative offensive mind that brought the Detroit Lions without an insanely great roster of offensive players with Jared Goff as the quarterback, with no real RB1, to a top five offense in the NFL. He is going, someone is going to be very, very lucky to have him as, as head coach. And it's funny, we talk about you hope that it's not the Lions because it would have meant that Dan Campbell did a bad job and is fired, but yep. somebody is going to be lucky to have him. Well, you want to hear real talk here? What's up? And like reality of the NFL is unpredictable. I know we're even I'm saying this is an 11 win team. It's the NFL is unpredictable. We're not going to act like shit might not hit the fan or they'll win 13 games. Who knows? But you guys remember Jay Gruden back in the day with the Washington Redskins at the time? Coming off a playoff season flat on nine-win season. Got to the playoffs. They won a playoff game. There's no reason to fire Jay Gruden, right? No reason. No reason even when they went 8-7-1 and won the following year, right? No reason to fire Jay Gruden. He just took us to the playoffs. We just won a playoff game. You let Kyle Shanahan walk out the door. You let Sean McVay walk out the door. And you let Matt LaFleur walk out the door. <laughs> so be very careful. If this is an 8-9 win season again, I would be very disappointed, and I think you have to have a hard conversation internally. But I don't expect that to happen, so that's a bunch of really just nonsense talk at the moment. It's cautionary tale. How those guys that you mentioned, like like Matt, Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan and, and Sean McVay, how are they doing right now? Pretty uh, damn I, good. I think they're doing okay. okay. Not bad. <laughs> just all Not right. bad if you ask. Average. They are doing all right. <laughs> Oh, God. But do you agree, though, this seems like an all-employ from the Lions on Ben Johnson? Has Give to him be. everything for one year. Let's see how far it gets us. And then we have $100 million and a ton of draft capital to figure it out next year. Uh, that's, to me, what it looks like. Maybe we'll do this when Jeff gets back as well. Uh, I really want to know more about what you guys think of the Gibbs-Laporta pick. I, I think it's more than just, oh, they were the top players on our board. Look at what they do in our offense. No, 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 no. Look what they do in Ben Johnson's offense. Interesting. Because you're coming with Sam Laporta. Look at the offense that he came from. 
and then you're going to put the him with Johnson. The worst offense in the world. <laughs> exactly. There's so much potential. We don't know his potential yet because of what he's coming from. Say Fair Laporta Fair produced with, with Spencer Petras as his quarterback in college. Don't diss <laughs> Iowa before Neil Rule bites you in your ass, all right? <laughs> we'll take a break. When we get back, uh, I wanted to have this conversation with you specifically, Flannel. Uh, I've been waiting for this. Unfortunately, we couldn't do it Tuesday. I was out. We have to have a Mount Rushmore conversation, okay? And I don't think you're going to like my answer, Flannel. So Can't we'll get wait. to that next. God help you. But before we go, i got to tell you about where I got my haircut. And that's at Lady Jane's Haircuts for Men. Open 10 8, seven days a week. Walk in any time. No appointment necessary. They're amazing stylists. They'll always take care of you like they take care of me. So get to a Lady Jane's near you. Open seven days a week. No appointment necessary. Lady Jane's. It's wicked awesome. The sports marketing agency would not be who we are without great community partners like Higuera Health and Carol Zaniga. It's an awesome opportunity to partner with your organization. Higuera Health is a, a comprehensive behavioral health organization. We serve children through older adults with mental health, substance use, and uh, developmental disabilities across Western Wayne counties and really excited to now be in Downriver communities as well. Give us a call at 734-458. 4601. Get a shot up. This is for the win. All of Detroit sports teams live on Woodward. All of Detroit sports coverage lives on Woodward Sports. Driving the best in Detroit sports coverage. Welcome back to the Morning Woodward Show. If you're watching at woodwardsports.com, thanks so much for checking the website out. Please be sure to check out all the clips, all the previous live shows, all the news that we have up on the website. If you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe. And if you're listening, wherever you listen to your podcast, download and leave a five-star review. And I also suggest maybe turning down the volume a little bit because this segment could get a bit loud. All right, Flannel Sam, my buddy, good old pal. Uh, we don't often get to share a mic on a show. Uh, you're typically on Big D Energy, but for the next few days, I'm going to have you. Uh, we'll get to the Warriors-Lakers game later on in the show, but uh, Flannel, Mount Rushmore, what does it mean to you in the NBA? And Steph Curry has been getting a lot of talk on whether or not he should be on the Mount Rushmore of players. Uh, I want to get your list first, and I know he's not on it. I want to get your four players, and I want you to tell me what Mount Rushmore means to you. And I hope that by explaining it, you'll at least understand where I'm coming from. So I've actually did a little bit of changes to my Mount Rushmore in the past week or so. I've had to shuffle some people around because by my criteria, there are four guys that clearly have basketball resumes that usurp every single other player that has ever played. Of course, you've got LeBron James, four regular season MVPs, four finals MVPs, 13 first team all NBAs, which is the most ever. You got Michael Jordan, six finals MVPs, five regular season MVPs, and 10 first team all NBA appearances. And then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who's another one that has one of the greatest basketball lives of all time. Six championships, two finals MVPs, two regular season MVPs, and also 10 first team all NBAs. And now I'm gonna next go with the guy that Steph is being often compared to, and I think right now it's too soon, and that is Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson has nine first team all NBAs, three finals MVPs, and three regular season MVPs, and five championships. So to me, those are the players that have accomplished the most, that had some of the highest dominant peaks in NBA history. And to me, at least when it comes to Michael, 
or LeBron, Michael, and Kareem. Those are the three basketball resumes that can you can stop you there. And then Magic Johnson. Can I stop you Go there? Ahead. I agree with the first three. Okay. Hundred percent. I don't think it's Small. debatable. Small no, no. I I don't think it's debatable. Now, we want to talk about Michael, LeBron, one and two. Who's one sure. and two? Fine, whatever. But to me, I think it's Michael. I think it's LeBron. And then there's a huge gap of no one's ever catching LeBron ever. Agree. Like I just I don't see that happening. Not Luca. Not any of these young guys. Maybe some guy that's two years old right now in the future. Maybe he does it. Maybe. But like LeBron's place all time is set and it's not going anywhere for anybody in my opinion tell that to your fellow steph curry fans well we'll get to them we'll get to them i agree on the first two obviously kareem he has to be up there but when i think of mount rushmore flannel uh i like to think about it this way you guys watch uh, men in black mm -hmm. you know how they can uh, zap your memory and make you forget everything uh, let's just say flannel it's you and i and we're sitting on on this, you know, huge mountaintop. And below us is literally the entire universe of people. And we blind all of them. We, they all forget their memory. And our job is to explain the game of basketball to them. Let's go to Mount Rushmore, right? Michael Jordan, tenacity, winning. One of the greatest players we've ever seen. Dominance for a six-year stretch. Not really an eight-year stretch, but still. Un unbelievable uh icon made the game global you want to bring up bird and johnson uh for what they did uh bird and magic uh johnson's weird saying his last name so we'll just say bird and magic saving the nba when they did in the seven in the 80s and 70s unbelievable okay what else what else do i have to work with here oh lebron james uh the <laughs> definition of longevity getting to a finals almost every other year on average in his 20-year career getting to 10 of them four and six uh in the finals sure but uh you name the mvps finals the finals mvps uh the list goes on and on uh, you're explaining the nba and then yeah you said magic johnson and you know what five years ago i i think i agree hell two years ago i think i would agree with you but I got a player that's an eight-time All-NBA player, a nine-time All-Star, four-time NBA champion, a Finals MVP, a two-time scoring champ. Uh, has the resume up there with any of these guys. Now, of course, there's levels to it. But if I want to explain today's game of basketball and really the last 10 years, I can't explain it without Steph. I just can't. Steph Curry changed basketball. And you know what? Maybe that doesn't count for rankings. That's fine. But when you're going to ask me Mount Rushmore, I, I like to think about it that way. I have to explain the history of basketball and how the hell do I explain it without Steph Curry. I remember when he hit 253s uh, for the first time and he broke the record. It was like, damn, 253s? Wow, no one's going to beat that. And next year he hit fucking 400. What the fuck? He's changed the game of basketball. And look, you want to talk about getting your own shot? I think he does it in a different way. You know, when I close my eyes and I think of last second shots, I think of LeBron James. I think of Kobe Bryant. I think of Michael Jordan. I think of guys that are able to draw, dribble, penetrate, and pull up from the mid-range and get their own shot the last second, and it's money, right? Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Steph doesn't do that. Well, Kobe. Well, I mean, <laughs> but Kobe has so many game winners doing that same exact model, though. A lot of bricks, though. Sure, but at least he takes them, right? 
And to me, Steph takes them, but he doesn't make them as often, right? I think that's fair to say. His clutch stats are surprisingly Horrendous. awful. Only Russell yes. Westbrook is worse yes. all time. But the point I'm making with that, though, is he can't make his own shot off the dribble. He's such a different player. But when I think of Mount Rushmore players, I got to explain the game of basketball. I don't know how I explain it without Steph Flannel. I don't. Uh, the guy is insane. If you want to say bird and magic on the fourth spot because of what they did for the NBA, I think that's fair. But right behind them, if I'm going to leave them off, I think it's Steph because of the story he tells. Does that does that count for nothing? See, here's the thing. I actually I'm not talking about rankings. No, here. I get it. I get it. I actually like your explanation because you've actually been very, very measured. You haven't used some of the arguments that I think are flawed. I get exactly what you're saying, and that's why I have Steph Curry as an all-time great. People think that I am the biggest Steph Curry hater ever, but I have him as the clear-cut second best point guard of all time. He is obviously the greatest shooter to ever pick up a basketball. That is undisputed. I have him, when you, I'll talk about rankings real quick. I have him just outside my top 10. I have him at number 11, which I think is a fair ranking. And he could climb that. He absolutely could climb that. Certainly with another finals MVP, he would firmly be cemented into the, the top 10. My thing with Steph Curry is, he doesn't have, and I know you talk about you can't tell the story without Steph Curry of the NBA, and that is 100% true, but Steph Curry just doesn't have the accomplishments that a lot of those other all-time greats have. Even and that's when, why they're cemented there, and that's why we're debating for. Well, and that's, Fair? Well, but I'm also talking about guys like Shaquille O'Neal or Tim Duncan or Hakeem Olajuwon, guys that you haven't even, even got to. Did you know Adam Baydoun, and a lot of people, I know nobody in this audience knows this, but I'm going to tell you, and it's true. Steph Curry has the exact same number of first-team All-NBAs as Anthony Davis. That has to be taken into account when we're talking about ranking the all-time, all-time greats. You have to nitpick a little bit. And I think the fact that Steph Curry has been to seven finals and has one finals MVP, that's a little bit of, of a knock. I'm just, or as, as it's either six or seven. He's been to six. He's, He's been four to six. and two in the finals. He's four and two. Yep. He's, he has one finals MVP. I think when we're talking about nitpicking, you have to take that into account, which is why I have him. So you have Magic on your, your Rushmore. See, for me, I can't put Magic on there without Bird. I think they're the same to me. But I think what they did was it was something they did together. And I it's hard for me to rank one over the other when they were just both so great. And they both played on super teams. So I don't want to hear anything about their teammates. That's bullshit excuses. And Steph Curry. And I'll, I'll leave this here and then I'll, I'll let you finish. You're right, Steph Curry doesn't have all the accolades, the individual awards that you want when you talk about an all-time great or you want to nitpick and have him over Magic or not have him over Magic. That's fair. That's fair. And I can't make that argument, right? Because the numbers don't lie. But again, I have to... And this is the way I see Mount Rushmore, right? It's the way I see uh, the NFL. Who are the four greatest players you can't tell the story of the NFL without? I think Lawrence Taylor. I think Tom Brady. Hard for me to explain this, but I don't think you can tell the story without Jim Brown because there's no Walter Payton, there is no Barry Sanders, right? Uh, the NFL is a bit more complicated, uh, but those are the three off the top of my head I think aren't debatable. Jerry Rice. And then probably Jerry Rice, given what he did for that position when he did it, right? So... I have to explain basketball. And look, Damian Lillard, 
Luka Doncic, Trey Young, all these guys suddenly shooting threes. Now that was unheard of for two guards, let alone point guards. I know people don't look at Steph as a point, but he is. He is. He's, he's too small to be a, a two guard. He's too small. He is not a traditional two guard. And he's not traditional, and that's, I think, what makes him special. So, yeah, I'm not going to argue with you uh, over the points you made. I think they're fair when you want to nitpick all-time greats. Uh, you want to leave him out of your top ten, I think that's fair. There's still, it's always tough with players that are still playing because his chapter is still being written, right? It's not over yet. It could be over tonight. It could not be. Who knows? But uh, I'll leave it at that, Flannel. That, that is my explanation for... Uh, my Mount Rushmore, uh, which I know you and Jeff kind of talked about the whole Steph Curry LeBron stuff, but when I'm coming at you with anything about Steph, that's how I see it. Yeah, the Steph Curry LeBron stuff, that stuff, that is obviously nonsense at this point. And I'm glad you mentioned that right off the bat, Adam. And I agree with pretty much every point you made. If you want to put him in your top 10, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. And I think that he can get there. Certainly, God forbid, if they come back and win this series and they go on to win the finals, I would be physically ill if that happened. But at that point, you would obviously have to put Steph Curry in the top 10. And even if he has a couple more dominant regular seasons, he, he could out absolutely get there. The only thing that you can't do is say like, oh, he's not even top Give 15, top 20. Give me three NBA careers that you think will never be matched. I would say LeBron, Michael, and Kareem. Okay, yeah, so we agree. Honestly. Yeah. It's so easy to say yeah. that, isn't it? Yeah. Jokic is doing really well right now. He gets to a finals, wins a finals, what that's going to do for his legacy. Uh, we've seen what it's done for Giannis, but uh, nobody's touching those three. And that's why they're always there, and I think we'll always debate uh, what the fourth one is. But we'll take a break. When we get back, uh, I want to preview tonight's game, Lakers and Warriors. Uh, Flano, I think you have the Lakers winning it all. At this point, I haven't listened to the show the last two days, so I can't wait to hear this. How rude. Um, uh, well, you not know, you rude. Can go I've back been and dying. To wherever you listen to your podcast. I've been dying. But, guys, <laughs> if you're missing the show live, you can download the podcast after the fact. But before we go, our good friends over at the Sports Marketing Agency. The Sports Marketing Agency, where you can get all of your needs. If you are, if you are feeling tired, depressed, or anything, please call the Sports Marketing Agency. They have a podcast. They are here to help. Visit their website or give them a call. The Sports Marketing Agency. It's a great day to get some Centron in your life. Ah, okay, okay, okay. There it is, there it is. Centron, here we go. Gotta grab the cranberry. Oh wait, it's two for four. Got double up with the classic as well. Centron World, baby. Centron, available at select Kroger's. And if you want to know how, go to at CentronWorld.com. You get dope like me. You know what? Why wait? Ah, great taste, guaranteed. The first paved road in America. Woodward Sports. The first sports network born in Detroit and made for Detroit. All right, everybody, we're back here on the Morning Woodward Show live. WoodwardSports.com. Adam Bain, Gabriel B. Phillips, Flannel Sam, Alex Westfall here today with all of you. If you're missing the show live, you can always go back after the fact, download the podcast, leave a five-star review for Gabby's beautiful blonde hair. Uh, how do you not? <laughs> how do you not? Why wait? <laughs> Why wait? Why wait? Okay, look. Flannel! Your Lakers uh, are a pain in my ass. Uh, they absolutely drive me nuts. I don't think they've been the better team 
through four games, but they've been better when it matters the most. Uh, they're up 3-1. I think it's their series to lose, obviously. You don't need me to tell you that. But tonight, game five, do the Warriors extend the series? And if they do, do you even give them a shot to win it? Because the Lakers haven't lost at home yet. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, that the Golden State Warriors do extend the series that they win Game 5, and they win it, win it rather handily. I think at this point, the Lakers are saving themselves for, for Game 6. If they come out in Game 5 and LeBron James is on fire from 3, and you're getting something from D'Angelo Russell or a guy like Austin Reeves and Anthony Davis is, is dominating, then they might go for it. But I think it would take a crazy hot start, a hot start from three in which LeBron James hasn't had this entire postseason, to be fair. But I think the Golden State Warriors coast to a victory in game five. I think they definitely, like you said, Adam, they feel like they let game four absolutely slip away. I mean, you look at the end of game four, pretty much all of the centerpieces of all those great Golden State Warriors teams, like the ones that were drafted, they all took turns kind of choking when, when it mattered most. I mean, Steph Curry had two chances, two jump shots to take the lead, missed them both. Klay Thompson shot a couple of horrendous looking threes that he had no business taking, brick. And then at the end of the game, Draymond Green, for some reason, when they have a chance to tie the game, he throws the ball away. And then when Anthony Davis gets tied up, which almost had me having a heart attack, first of all, the Golden State Warriors actually win the tip and then Steph Curry gets the ball, falls down, and instead of calling a timeout, throws the ball out of bounds. They did everything in their power to choke that game away. But in Game 5, I think they do bounce back. And then I think the Lakers go all out for Game 6 and do win Game 6 handily. But these are the Golden State Warriors. I think that the Lakers should go out and try in, in Game 5 and try to slay the dragon sooner rather than later because the golden state warriors you don't want to give them hope you don't want to give them hope the golden state warriors are the type of team that just you have to kill them and then you have to step on their throat and then when you're sure they're dead cut their heads off because that's how deadly they have been they are a thorn in my side they have been a thorn in my side over the past how do you feel about so. me saying this because i know you're a big lebron guy i think lebron is two all time and i think he's stuck there and I, I don't think there's anything he'll ever be able to do, in my opinion, to pass Michael. And why I'm bringing that up is they're on the steps of a Western Conference Finals appearance, whether it's against the Suns or Nuggets, probably against the Nuggets, but we'll see how the series plays out. Uh, do you agree with that, or does that bother you because he's still playing at a high level, not prime LeBron, but... He is the number two, at times, number three option on this team. Uh, I don't see him changing his legacy. I think it's written. I think he's had the second greatest career of anybody ever. And that's amazing. Fair or no? I think it's... So here's the thing. I have LeBron and Michael sort of 1A, 1B, right, right up there neck and neck with each other. But if you want to say that Michael is better, I have no problem with that. If you want to put them both cemented at 1 and 2, that is fine with me, even if you have LeBron at 2. I do think, though, if LeBron James wins another Finals MVP, that could go especially in the exact same year that he broke the all-time scoring record. I'll tell you what, he might not be the GOAT in some people's eyes, but the day after, if that were to happen, I would be the most insufferable person at this network by a magnitude of 10 because that will be, along with Patrick Mahomes winning another Super Bowl MVP, that will be just such a great stretch for some of my all-time favorite players. But if you want to say that LeBron James is stuck at number two, he's not getting any better. He is... 
he's only going to decline from here. And if you, even if you look at this series, I have no problem saying that Lonnie Walker dominated the fourth quarter in game four and pretty much took them home. I have no problem with saying that this team will go as far as Anthony Davis will take him. I mean, you even look at it this series. He's had one 30-20 and two 20-10s, and in, both, in all three of those games, the Lakers have won, and in Anthony Davis's one-off game, the Lakers got blown out. So I get what you're saying. I don't know if LeBron James is still capable of being the best player on this team and carrying them to a championship, but another finals MVP at this age in year 20... I think some people might, it might teeter him over to at least getting closer to MJ. So here's Maybe what kills him. me, and I'll, I'll read from the chat, uh, excuse me, I'll read from the chat, and then I'll, I'll work off of that, because I agree with you a little bit. Uh, Eminem says uh, he's already had a more dominant clear, uh, career, excuse me, he's been a more dominant player than Jordan, meaning LeBron, at his age right now, uh, and still performing like he's in his prime during the hardest era of basketball in the NBA is ridiculous. Uh, one, this is not the hardest era of basketball ever mm. uh, that's a lie uh the, the nba is actually easier to play and score in but we'll move past that uh, lebron's rings are way more impressive than jordan's jordan's had a super team before uh, super teams even ever started okay first of all uh everything pre-1980 hell pre-1990 was super teams it's all the nba ever was we grew up on super teams was the pistons bad boy pistons that made three straight finals not a super team they Dennis get, Rodman. Yeah, their talent gets Isaiah underrated. Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, Bill Lambeard. That's not a fucking super team. Their talent gets severely underrated. You go to the it's Celtics squat. in the 80s, the yep. Lakers in the 80s. Uh, I, I mean, really? You want to talk about the Utah Jazz? That one-two punch? Carl <laughs> Malone? John Stockton? Look. You want to talk about diminishing players' you know, careers? You want to talk about teammates? Scottie Pippen? Flannel, take a guess. Don't look it up. Take a guess at what Scottie Pippen, Mr. The, the greatest number two of all time, some say. Scottie Pippen, what do you average in the NBA Finals? Do you know? Uh, Take a guess. I would guess 18. 18 what and what? 18, 6 and 6. Uh, pretty close. 18, 8 and 6. Wow. Not bad. Not pretty bad. damn close. 18, 8 and 6. You know what Kyrie Irving averaged in the NBA Finals? One of LeBron's teammates? I think something like 28, 4 and 4 or something like 28, that. 28, 4 and 4 is correct. Yeah. Flannel Sam, you've Absolutely. done your research. Absolutely. I'm proud of you. Hey, I, I'm I, proud of you. I have Flannel, you shouldn't expect anything else. Absolutely. And I've definitely acknowledged that LeBron James has had help, as had, as had, as everybody. has everybody. No, 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 no. This is not about Michael yes. and LeBron. Yes. Everybody has had help. I don't know anybody that's ever won an NBA championship without help. There's the Mavericks. And then the going to work Pistons that are like just complete teams that just win. It's like, okay, fine. But superstars, Kobe had Shaq, Shaq had Kobe. Kobe had Paul Gasol. Tim Duncan had the greatest coach of all time and good role players. Parker, Janot, David Robinson, David Robinson had Tim fucking Duncan coming yeah. out of college, number one overall. Hakeem Olajuwon, he had that Clyde was a really Drexler good team. Michael took two years off. It is what it is. He beat a young Shaq. Magic had James Worthy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mikhail had Larry Bird and vice versa. Now, when has anybody ever won without having a good teammate? I, I don't get this narrative. So I think it's all garbage that we're going to play the diminishing role of whose championships are more impressive. All I know is there's nobody that was more dominant in their prime than Jordan. I think that's a fact. Because when he learned how to win, nobody won. And when LeBron first learned how to win, which was 2011, 
2012 with Miami, the year after losing 2012, to the Mavericks. 2012. He yeah. won two in a row, and everybody was like, holy shit, this is LeBron's era. No one's going to beat LeBron. And then they lost in four, or excuse me, in five to Sacramento, or Sacramento, goddamn it, Adam, mm -hmm. San Antonio, his last year in Miami. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it, but we'll take a break. When we get back, I want to get back to the Lions. Uh, I want to continue on the Ben Johnson trail and then get into Dan Campbell this year. Uh, his interview with uh, the Greenlight Podcast, Chris Long. All that and more coming up next. But before we go, our good friends over at Guardian Alarm. Absolutely. It's a new year. Let Guardian Alarm offer you customized solutions from real experts. Our professional technicians take the time to recommend security and automation solutions specific to your needs. 24-7 professional monitoring. Call us anytime, day or night, and know that a Guardian team member will stay on the phone as long as needed. Technology backed by people. Your safety and security deserves technology that's been proven to work and people who have been proven to care. Call them at 1-800-STAY-OUT. That's 1-800-STAY-OUT. Sports love wearing clothes. Then you should be wearing Woodward Sports clothes. Check out our full line of merch at WoodwardSports.com. Just click on shop. We have all your favorite designs, like Dan Campbell kneecaps, Woodward golf, and of course our own logoed out merchandise. Men, women, infants, kids all love Woodward Sports. Impress your friends. Impress your boss. Impress your dog. Buy Woodward Sports merch today. Introducing the Planet Fitness Guide to getting that post-workout glow. Step one, what's your why? More epic energy, better sleep, blow off steam? Step two, join Planet Fitness for just $10 a month and get moving in our clean and spacious clubs. Step three, bask in that post-workout glow. Join Planet Fitness today for just $10 a month. Join today at any of the 50 plus Detroit area locations. Slide in the DMS at Woodward Sports on all social media. Welcome back to the Morning Woodward Show. If you're watching at woodwardsports.com, thanks for checking out the website. Please be sure to check out all the other breaking news that we have going on at woodwardsports.com and all of our shows today. Big D Energy at 11 o'clock, and then Armani and Edwards with Maz has a special guest today from two to four and then the heavyweights are on from five to seven watch on youtube download the podcast and leave a five-star review i love it i love it we're down the home stretch here we got one more thing to talk about before we get to mailbag in nine minutes so here's what i want to do guys we kind of agreed it seemed a bit of hey we got ben johnson probably for one more year and he's gone well, let's take full advantage of it and go out and go all in on the offense so my question is going to be, what does Dan Campbell have to do this year? And maybe it's too early. Maybe it's unfair. Schedule hasn't come out just yet fully. But what are your expectations for Dan? Year one, it was a rebuild. Uh, it's tough to really gauge. But the 0-9-1 start, I believe, before they won their first game wasn't ideal. Uh, fourth quarter, blowing leads, multiple leads that, uh, that what, first 10-game stretch of the year wasn't ideal. But... He was a guy that was gung-ho, going for it, costing the team games, whatever. It was year one. We moved past it. Year two, the expectation was uh, eight, nine wins at the most. And then, hey, we'd love to see improvement as a coach, which I think he showed down the stretch. And the beginning of the year was still shaky. 
So now my question this year is, what are we looking for from the head coach of this football team? Flannel? First off, I'm looking for him to carry on the momentum that he had ending last season, where clearly he had the team still playing inspired, and they didn't quit on him, even though the Lions started the season 1-6. and six. And at that point, we were all panicking and talking about tanking. Dan Campbell, I think, played an integral role in turning, helping turn the team around. First of all, when we're talking about this season, I don't want... Dan Campbell to sort of revert back to having those coaching gaps that cost them games. Even if you do it one time or two times and it costs the Lions one or two less wins and it potentially costs them playoff seating or division title or, God forbid, a playoff spot. I don't think that's going to happen, but he needs to continue to keep that clean. I don't want him getting in the way of a phenomenal performance in which the players did enough to win. I also want to I want to see him continue to be that great leader of men. Let his coordinators do what they do best. That's one thing that I think he has done really well. I think the Ben Johnson hire, getting rid of Anthony Lynn and promoting Ben Johnson, that was a move of a leader, and it paid off in dividends. And I also think when it comes to the defense, letting a guy like Aaron Glenn work with the younger guys, which he did last year, even when Ar there were times where Aaron Glenn, it wasn't looking too good. The defense was looking pretty bad. Aaron Glenn was able to help turn them around and help those younger guys develop so for me dan campbell lean into your strengths be that awesome leader of men show that you are more cerebral and more of a part of the x's and o's than people may think and just let your coordinators do what they do and for the love of god no end of game mistakes i have more confidence in him a hell of a lot more confidence in him than i did going into last year and i think that's saying a lot fair enough gabby what do you think positive decisions in the fourth quarter that's what i want decisions that will positively impact the Lions in the fourth quarter, which I think looking at last season, it's only up from here, right? Uh, I hope so. But, you know, for me, it's self-awareness. Uh, Flano, I think you hit on it probably best. Uh, just be, be a little more self-aware this year. You know, last year you're playing a third string quarterback on the road at fourth and nine own territory. Uh, does that really make sense? And then it goes for seven or six the other way. Like, don't coach your way out of games i'm not saying he can't be a good coach but that evidence is yet to be determined we don't know right we don't know if he's going to be good average really good elite we don't know we're gonna have to wait and see but to me just be be more self-aware i love the he trusts his coaching staff i think he holds them accountable he's already fired two of his coaching staff anthony lynn and now aubrey pleasant last year uh i love it i love the accountability mm -hmm. but for god's sake be self-aware you can talk to me about analytics but do the right thing you want to be aggressive and go for it and try to take a win here take a win there be my guest especially against the better teams i don't mind but when we talk about the nfl the games on average and by one possession games you can't afford a fourth and two not going your way you typically can't afford to go for it three four times in a game on fourth down and expect to win those odds really aren't in your favor so yeah clean up the penalties clean up the fourth quarter decision making and yeah i think it's going to be a really good team i don't have kyle shanahan bill belichick or sean McVay expectations i have to wait and see with him he has to go out and earn any praise that he's going to get. I, I, Flannel, I think you hit it on the head, buddy. 
I mean, at, at this point, the last thing you want to see Dan Campbell do is say they're playing an early season game and they're at Chicago, Green Bay, or Minnesota, and they have a chance to win. And then his coaching decisions, kind of like they did last year at Minnesota, help cost the team a game. I do think he has learned a lot from last year. I think he has many, many positive traits, particularly as a leader. But Adam, I agree for the most part that we still don't know exactly what Dan Campbell is. I don't think he's sort of an X's and O's te technician like, say, a Kyle Shanahan or a Sean McVay. I don't know if he's really a specialist on one end of the like, I, I know he coached tight ends, but if he's really an offensive genius or a defensive genius, I would probably lean towards no. But we all know that he is a great leader. He galvanized the team and just keep making sure that this team plays smart and plays hard for him because that's the one thing about this Lions team. I know it kind of sounds like rah-rah and corny, but they did not quit. And look how much dividends it, it paid for them. They were on their way to tanking having three or four wins and now we're talking about them with the way they finished the season and obviously with a lot going into what they did in the offseason as division winners at this point i hate to use this kind of terminology but don't don't screw it up don't crash the ferrari that's all it's going to take in a lot of those games especially some of those home games that are very very winnable it's a favorable schedule at home it gets Absolutely. difficult on the road and the way you win football games and you saw it down the stretch guys when you were eight and two Takeaways, not committing turnovers. Jared Goff, 18 touchdowns, one interception down the stretch, and your defense was up there in that 10-week stretch in terms of takeaways. That's the game. That's the game you play. Taking the ball away and not giving it away. That is the basic fundamental of football. And if you can avoid doing that as a head coach with odd, untimely decision-making, you're setting up your team for success. It's okay to change the field. My God, I, I remember when I was young, I believe it was the Raiders, Sebastian Janikowski and Shane Leckler. They were a playoff team with one of the worst rosters in football, but they would win games because they would switch the field, pin you within your 10-yard line, and kick 55-plus yard field goals and score points on wasted possessions. I'm not saying that's today's NFL, but what I'm reminding you is sometimes football is simpler than you think. Don't turn the ball over. Force takeaways, which I think you're going to do a lot more of this year, especially with the upgraded secondary you have. And yeah, be aggressive when you want. And if that's your identity, I'm not going to tell Dan to stop. You know why? Mm -hmm. Because if he's going to win or lose, I'd rather him do it his way than going against what he's built. And if it doesn't work out, he'll be held accountable at the end of the day. I agree. If there's like a second point that I would have to add to it, and you kind of already touched on it, is... Do not stray away from the identity that you've been building. Don't allow the media, don't allow all these outside voices to pull you away from the Dan Campbell, I guess character, but it's him, that you've created that has lent itself to now the Lions having this identity of grit, of overcoming adversity, of making a change partway through the season. I think that's why these players that are getting drafted are saying, I am so excited to be a lion. I want to be a lion. I want to play for Dan Campbell. It's because of this identity that he's helped create. Well, to add to that, we also don't want to make adverse situations ourselves, right? True. Uh, True. If you're somebody that already struggles to walk, it's probably not a good idea to shoot yourself in the foot, right? So, you know, keep that in mind. Yeah, they can overcome adversity, but you're going to have to face it regardless. 
don't make it any harder than it already is. That would be my message. But we'll take a break. When we get back, start dropping your questions in the chat. Mailbag coming up next. But before we go, uh, Flannel, our good friends over at Big Boy. Absolutely. Strawberry Fest is back at Big Boy. Try classic breakfast items like some strawberry hotcakes or mouth-watering red velvet waffles. If you're not feeling breakfast, try the strawberry bacon chicken wrap or cool off with a refreshing summer splash salad. And don't forget to grab dessert including their berry delicious classic strawberry pie, deep fried vanilla Oreos, or strawberry hot fudge cake and more. Try them at Big Boy. How would you like to win not one, but two vehicles of your choice? One for you and one for your wife, your girlfriend, or your best bud. Get to Lady Jane's today for an award-winning haircut and automatically enter for your chance to win. Courtesy of Les Stanford Buick GMC of Ferndale. Lady Jane's. Open seven days a week. Walk in anytime. It's wicked awesome. Since the dawn of moving people, Chevrolet has led the way. The world of transportation is changing. At Feldman Chevrolet, we are leading the charge forward. With every electric vehicle, every mile traveled, one Feldman at a time. The company that puts more Chevys on Michigan roads is now the number one name for Chevy electric vehicles. Woodward Avenue, the first paved road in America. Woodward Sports, the first sports network born in Detroit and made for Detroit. Welcome back to the morning Woodward show. If you're watching at woodwardsports.com, thanks for checking out the website. Please be sure to tune in at 11 and 2 and 5 for our other shows going on today, especially that 2 to 4 show, Armani and Edwards with Maz. Uh, today they have a special guest. Do you know who that special guest is, Adam? Cameron Sutton. Detroit Lions new corner free agency uh, signing. We'll be on uh, from 2 to 4. Check them out. Don't miss it. It's going to be a great interview. Braylon and Maz uh, will be leading it. Guys, mailback well. time. Hmm? Ryan as well. Oh, Ryan will be in yep. today? Awesome. Today. Awesome. All right, guys. Here's what we're going to do. We'll start with mailbag. Drop your questions in the chat. Sam. If your only options were to wear a dirty flannel or a clean white t-shirt, what would you wear on the show? I gotta wear dirty flannel. I mean, at this point, it's my identity. I would break my streak, which is now at 273 consecutive work days of wearing flannel. So given the choice, gotta go dirty flannel. How are you keeping track of the amount of days? Do you have like a note in your phone? Oh, what is this? It's harder than you think. Mm -hmm. I would say that 273 is more of a rough estimate, but okay. I kind of got, got it working in my head to where it's like, Every single Friday is a multiple of five. So it'll be okay. 275, 280. It's, that's kind of the system I got right now. Great. I'm not sure if that's amazing or disgusting. I'm a little bit of a psychopath when it comes to certain things like numbers and whatnot. And you guys all know this, so it's perfect for me. All right. Flannel, are you a foot fetish guy? Absolutely not. Oh, well, that's <laughs> that disappointing. Was <laughs> that was disappointing. I'm not happy with that at all. Uh, mailbag, Adam, uh, what do you think? Will Gabby swear or drop an F-bomb on Woodward? I doubt it. I doubt it. I don't know what I'll have to do to get it out of her, but I doubt it. Mailbag, Adam, what do you think of this NFL division winner parlay? The Lions, Seahawks, Jags, and Jets. It's plus 4408. I like the Seahawks pick. The Jags and Jets make me nervous. I like your NFC. I hate the AFC. I just don't know how the Bills are supposed to win less games than the Jets. Jets will be lucky to win 10 games, 11 at most. And the Bills are going to be a 12-win football team. Flannel, you agree? 
I'm higher on the Jets than most, just because the Jets were competitive throughout at least the first part of the season with Mike White, Zach Wilson, and whatever the hell was left of Joe Flacco's corpse. And now you're bringing in Aaron Rodgers, who still has a little bit left in the tank. You got Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, Quinn and Williams, C.J. Mosley. Those are some. That's those are some damn good pieces. And I think Aaron Rodgers. I think they could win that division. I think they, them, and the Bills will have eleven and twelve. Okay. All right. Question: If Weaver doesn't get into the play-in next season, should he be on the hot seat? So I have a different theory on GMs in the NBA. Uh, no, I don't think he's on the hot seat. I'm gonna grade him on what he does this off-season with players, roster construction. And, of course, the coach he hires. Mm -hmm. If the coach he hires is a bum, I, you, time to start questioning Troy Weaver. If he hires a good coach, fundamental, uh, uh, up-and-comer, and he comes into the NBA, 35 wins year one, 44 year two, and then you get finally your 50-win season three years from now? Oh, okay. Okay, but to me, Weaver, it's, it's got to be roster construction. You're seeing in the playoffs right now, playing two bigs on the court is suicide. You can't do it. So what does that mean for Duran and Wiseman? You like them on the court together during the regular season. Probably won't matter in the postseason. So how are you going to build this roster to win with Cade and Ivy being your backcourt? That's my question for Troy Weaver. Uh, question, uh, is Gabby a permanent member of the show? She's been. I've been here. Hell yeah. I've been here. I got to answer Jesse Adams' question because I've seen it come up a couple of times Go in the for chat it. this week. Gabby, did you want more Mike Norvell gone before last year? And um, the answer is no because we were coming off the Tagger era. And um, this Florida State get talk? Much worse. Yeah. Had uh. to have hope because we got ourselves in quite the pickle with the Tagger situation. So All right, guys. I had to buy into it. I hate this question, but I will answer it. Flannel, Gabby, you answer first. Do you believe in the Tigers? Flannel? I believe in Scott Harris. I think it was a home run hire, especially given what he already did in San Francisco and the fact that you're coming off of the Alavila debacle. I think Scott Harris is a step in the right direction. I think he's more analytically sound. And so far this season, this is the best start that the Tigers have been have gotten off to under the in the AJ Hinch era. So you know what? I'm not just gonna poo-poo that. I believe that they have a direction, I will say. I believe in the project. But do you believe in the team this year? I believe that they could get to 70 or 75 wins, which isn't saying a whole lot. Oh, well, then we're on the same page. Okay. Gabby? I believe in the team being better than last year. That's not saying much. <laughs> we're all saying the same thing. That is not much. saying much. Oh, God. Uh, let's see. Do you think, don't you think that Dan Campbell not being an X and O guy is a lazy take? Uh, I think, who said that? I mean, I kind of said it. I mean, I'm not saying that he's not. Do you do you really think he's not? I, I actually think he's underrated. I, I said that, I actually kind of said that he is a little bit underrated in that and he could show up more this year. I My thing is that he's not really, to me, that offensive or defensive genius coach, which is fine, but I don't think he's just some... Like, I don't think he's a bum. Right, I don't think he's a bum either, just well, for the record. Here, let me put it this way. You tell me, if, I think you'll agree with this, Flannel. Uh, the way I see Dan Campbell is he's an enabler. Uh, I see him that he understands everything around him. Yeah. And then he has his offensive coordinator, his defense. He's not your typical offensive-minded guy that's succeeding in the NFL. It's just not it. Could he be if Ben Johnson leaves and he takes over the offense? Maybe. But uh, we saw him take over for Anthony right Lynn now. and do a little better. Mm -hmm. So, uh, again, I, 
you're going to be judged on wins and losses. I don't know what Dan Campbell is. He's kind of weird. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, oh, my God. I wanted to touch on this so badly, and I forgot to. Thank you, Kevin, for bringing it up. Matt uh, Arieza, by the way, should get another shot in the NFL. Absolutely. 100%. Had his career cut short after being a high draft pick for a punter by the Buffalo Bills because some dumb bitch decided to accuse him of rape even though she was sleeping with 10 different dudes that night and now the facts have come out that he wasn't even there so you know what little girl woman whatever you are you know just because you decided to get train ran on you does not mean that's his fault uh i hope somebody signs him i hope somebody gives him a chance and i'm i'm really happy for him and i hope he by the way counter sues and gets all the money he lost uh by not being in the nfl Second, everything you just said. I hope that he can go on to have a long and prosperous NFL career. Pisses he was a me damn off. good prospect Pisses as me a off, man. Yeah. Happens more often than people think. Uh, if the Lions host the playoff game this year, uh, over or under the loudest stadium of the year. Um, I don't know if it can compete with Arrowhead. Damn it. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I want to say I, I've... What's the loudest we've ever heard it? Was it Javid Best Run? Yeah, I would say Javid Best Run. Yeah, yeah, that was probably the loudest it's ever been. Yeah, it'd probably be that loud. It'd be it'd be pretty loud. I'm not going to say the loudest. I just think that's impossible to answer, but I'll say it'll be up there. It'll be litty titty. How about that? All that's right, we're out of sure. here. Uh, enjoy Neil Rule and Darren McCarty. They're coming up next with Flannel at 11 o'clock. Uh, Till tomorrow, we'll see you guys. Maybe Jeff's back, maybe isn't. I don't know. If not, me and Gabby will be up here uh, tomorrow. You guys all have a good rest of your... Wednesday. See you tomorrow. See ya.